0: I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. Families come in all shapes and sizes. Whether you have a large family or a small family, have stepchildren, take care of kids through foster care, or adopt, love is likely the common denominator that we all share. Embracing and celebrating diversity in families of different races, religions, or family structures is essential for fostering inclusivity, breaking stereotypes, promoting cultural enrichment, and building empathy and resilience both in our communities and our churches. This week's guest, Michelle Medlock Adams, has written a children's book that can help teach our kids this. Michelle is a New York Times best-selling ghostwriter and award-winning author of more than a hundred books. However, this new book, called Love Connects Us All, is a heart project for her because it illustrates the truth that family isn't always determined by DNA or location, but rather the precious love given and received. In this episode, we talk about creative ways that we can support the needs of both children and parents in adoption and foster care families, what blended families can keep in mind as they navigate the complexities of their unique situation, how parents and family members can create a supportive and loving environment for children who are of experienced trauma or loss through adoption, plus the role of forgiveness plays in every family no matter what it looks like. Welcome Michelle. It is incredible to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Okay, a question that we ask all of our guests is what is your family known for? I did think about that for a long
1: time. I think in different seasons we've been known for different things, <laughs> but our crazy family is known for being we're outrageous Chicago Cubs fans. <laughs> like people know that. I mean, you know, I led the Chicago Cubs parade when we won the World Series a few years ago. Oh, wow. I'm kind of, we're kind of nuts and it it goes way back in the family line. So right. we're definitely known for that. I'm
0: not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Depends if you're a Cubs fan or not, I guess. Yeah. Is it like where, you know, we, if there's a game, don't invite us over because we're not going to come. We that's, will not be there. That is it. We're not we're not going to show up unless you're watching the game with us. And right. So, uh, yeah. right. Right. Oh, that's great. So you live in that area? Do you get to we go live, to games in person? We've, I mean, there's nothing
1: like being at Wrigley. That is like well, it's almost, it's a religious experience. It's amazing mm-hmm. to go a regular really yeah. field. We live in, in Southern Indiana. So it's a bit of a, about five and a half hour drive. Okay. But when I was growing up as a little girl, I was the baby of the family. Mom and dad, all summer long, wherever the Cubs played, we would just travel and watch them because they had their own business so we could do that. Oh, so nice. I saw the players and I i saw all the ball fields in America. It was really the coolest growing up ever. So
0: baseball yeah. definitely in my blood, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So when I had graduated college i actually worked at brave stadium for three years when they had first built it after the olympics and so it was such an incredible experience to be there for every single home game for three years It became my social life the people i worked with became the people i lived with it was really fun (laughs) so i can definitely i grew up watching baseball and being around little league and i could definitely nothing like it yeah enjoy it yeah All right. So let's talk about your new book. It's a picture book for children and it's called Love Connects Us All. So just tell us a little bit about it and what led you to write it. Well, thanks for asking. So
1: this is my latest picture book. And I I mean, honestly, I think it's like my 118th book. I've done a lot of books over the course of my career. Mm -hmm. But and everybody always says, What's your favorite? Well, this is like a heart project for me. So we have my my daughter married an amazing man named Micah Pace, and his family adopted three little boys. Now, they're, his parents are the same age as Jeff and I. We almost have the same stories. All high school sweethearts. Like it, it was kind of weird that Abby and Micah met and their parents are like the same story. Yeah. And so our kids are raised. You know, they're both. I'm actually a Gigi now. We actually have grandkids. So it's been amazing. Well, same with them. But, but God led them to to foster and then to adopt these three little boys. So they're, Micah's parents are actually it's like another whole family. And I've watched this journey for them.
0: Mm-hmm. I've watched, I
1: mean, it's, it's been wonderful, but it's not always easy. And then I have a really, really good friend who's a co-author of mine on a couple other books named Cecil Stokes, who adopted a little boy named Boone, which means blessing. And is mm-hmm. so sweet. I'm Aunt Michelle to him. And so I, I, yeah, I know. I love him so much. So I've seen, I've seen these, these families just take in, well, you just didn't know how much love they had. It's like their heart grew 20 sizes bigger than it was. And so I wanted to write a book that no matter what your upbringing is, if you were born in another nation and and adopted here, or if you went through foster care and then were adopted, or if you have a blended family, I wanted every child to be able to find themselves in this book Mm -hmm. because everybody has the, the two parents and the white picket fence and the three Mm -hmm. kids, the dog and the cat. That isn't, that's not where we live anymore. So that was really my heart behind this book and, and we're already hearing testimonies that, that it's, it's hitting right. So I'm so happy about that. Oh, that's incredible.
0: So you already mentioned this, but I know that adoption and foster care can be challenging. I mean, we're always like anybody who's following anybody online, hears stories of excitement and then disappointment and trials, um, just in securing the creation of their families. And so what are some creative ways that we can come around and support those people, both children and parents in these situations? That is the best question. I think Every church should be thinking about this right now. How how can we better serve these families that
1: that are not the typical that family? They're very mm-hmm. normal right now. It's a very normal thing, but we haven't always we haven't always ministered to their needs. Mm-hmm. So I just did an article for a magazine about this. I interviewed a gal named Genevieve Traversy. She's amazing. She works in foster care and she's also a foster mom. And she herself came from foster care, so mm-hmm. she's got three different perspectives, which is amazing. And I asked her that exact question. I'm like, you know. I didn't grow up in foster care. I We did, we had kids in our, fa- in our, in and out of our house a lot,
0: mm-hmm. but I
1: I don't have that same perspective. What can we do? And she gave me five really good answers. And the first thing she said is just be there. Like that seems like such a simple thing, but you all, you have to think a lot of times these, especially the, if there's children coming in who have some sort of disability, a lot of them have to go through counseling they've been through some stuff, stuff that we'll never ever know or could mm-hmm. imagine. They mm-hmm. have lots of appointments. All kinds of doctor's appointments and and reading appointments and and physical therapy and lots of things and just being somebody that can say, "Can I watch your other kids while mm. you take you know the newest member of your family to these appointments?" Or can what can I do? Like you know, whenever somebody has a baby, we have baby showers and we sometimes have food trains, right, where people drop off meals every night. Now yeah. we don't often do that for the foster families or those who have adopted a child and. And it's they still need the same thing. It's still crazy. Yeah. They still would like the food train. <laughs> they they probably need some things if they haven't had a baby in the family for a while or even a toddler. So I think just to think of this as a celebration and do all the same things you would do for a new birth. It's it because it is a new birth of a family. Mm-hmm. So just be there. And then the one and more tip is that she said she started a Facebook group with her closest friends and relatives and and people in her community. That would just be a private Facebook group or you, know, you could do it on any social media platform where it's private so that she could say, hey, need some prayer about this. We're going through this. Or could anybody could anybody pick this up for me? I'm going to be on the other side of town with the kids for these appointments just to have that support, because mm. sometimes you don't have that in your immediate family. So yeah. I think finding that, finding your tribe and then communicating with that tribe what you need and when you need it, because people genuinely want to help. They just don't know what to do.
0: Yeah yeah, those are great ideas. I mean, I never thought of that, like creating a Facebook community where you could kind of say, "'Hey, here's what I need because I do know that as parents, especially as moms, we we're like, we 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 want to raise our kids in community and we want to raise our kids in a way where we're helping one another. And sometimes moms are just waiting to be asked to help, you know, because maybe they're in a season that's a little bit ahead of you, or maybe they've been there, done that, and they've got that down pat and they can help you. But um, it's hard. When no one's asking, I think we've lost the the ability to ask, and that's really where community and friendship grows. Sometimes is when we are helping one another and meeting the needs of other people. That is so true. You know, that's a vulnerable thing, isn't it to to
1: have to admit that we need help? Yeah. As moms, we're like super women. We're like, I can do that. I can do that. Yes, I can do that. I mean, I don't think I said no for like twenty years. Oh yeah, no, I can do that. I'll <laughs> bring the cupcakes. How many do you need? And so, yeah. just being able to say, you know, I. I actually don't think I can do this by myself. I need help. It's it's a it, it, that that I'm talking to myself here. That that was the hardest lesson for me. But when you finally do, mm-hmm. man, friendships are made and yes. and like you said, community is formed and and those ties are forever because mm-hmm. you bonded over a vulnerability. And that's it's just it's, sometimes that's just hard to ask for help. It
0: is yeah yeah. And I think what too what could be helpful talking about vulnerability is even sharing that that this is hard. That it may look like that this is an exciting, this is an exciting time for our family, but this is really difficult and here's why. And be honest and share that it's that you don't have it all figured out. And that, you know, even if it's just to be heard by other people, I think that's really important to do. I agree. Or just to find out that what you're feeling
1: is normal. Like that, like yeah. what you're feeling doesn't make you a bad parent. It just makes you a normal parent. Like everybody yeah. feels what you're feeling. And I know it's very scary to say like, they're, they're going to wake up one day and go, what have I done? I mean, have I like you worry about your other children? I mean, is have I ruined the family? Like, is this gonna be okay? Mm. Maybe I wasn't the right one. Did God really choose me? Everybody yeah. has those doubts. And so yeah. the devil's quick to whisper that in your ear. But to be able to, to say that and someone else say, Girl, I felt that same thing. Like yeah. yesterday, actually. You know, then you go, Oh, good, I am not, I'm not a cred ball. I I, I just thought there was something <laughs> wrong with me, right? And there isn't. So yeah, just being honest, that's so true. It's the ones that that paint this rosy picture that do damage because it's yeah. not all butterflies and sunshine and bluebirds on your shoulder. I don't care what kind of family it is. Family is mm-hmm. wonderful, but it can be taxing. so you have to you have to be you have to be honest with yourself, with your community and with God. You really do, yeah, that's good. all
0: right. so let's talk a little bit about blended families. so what are some truths that we can that that blended families can keep in mind as they navigate the complexities of their unique situation? And again, even in blended families, there's no situation that's the same, and it's complex because there's so many different personalities and extensions involved trying to make decisions and trying to have a part or have a say. <laughs> and sure. so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. And that is really common. I mean, my sister—they they were a
1: blended family, so I walked through that with her, and and I. I just remember it it's almost like sometimes you don't know you're the you're the you're the stepmom or you're the mm-hmm. stepdad, but you know, we don't like labels. We're just we're just the mom. I mean we're just but but then you have to balance that if because there's another mom and yeah. just trying to balance all of the personalities and make sure that you're not stepping on anybody's toes, but nobody wants to live in a house that you have to walk on eggshells either. Yeah. So it's like I I think this the secret is just to love big. Just love big. And you have to think you have to not be offended. It's so easy to become offended. You have to realize these little ones who are in this new blended family, they don't know their role either. They could have been mm-hmm. the baby in the other family and now they're not. And so yeah. they're like, Wait a minute, that's a whole new role for me. Like I was, I was the baby, like that was my identity. And now there may be a middle child. Well, that's, that's a completely different situation for them. So we have to give lots of grace. <laughs> Thank the Lord that mercies are new every morning and they need to be in the household too. Give lots of grace and just choose to love big. My dad used to always read First Corinthians 13. He's like big on the love chapter and he'd read every day. And I remember asking him one time, like, I'm sure you've that memorized by now. Why are you reading that every day? He said, because I need it every day. I yeah. need to remind him that love is patient and kind. He doesn't envy, doesn't boast. But one of the verses and one of the different I think it might be the NLT, but it says that love believes the best. And so I think if you can, when there's harsh words said, and sometimes this can happen in all families, just to believe the best of that person, know that this isn't really, this is really out of character. They may say they hate you right now because you've disciplined them or you've had to you know ground them from something, but that isn't really who they are and that isn't really what they mean. So love mm-hmm. believes the best and that person really is not what they're acting out right now. That'll yeah. that'll help you, that'll guard your heart a little bit. And then also yeah. just give yourself grace. Just We're not going to do it perfectly. We're we're perfectly loved, but we're not able to love perfectly yet. So just do the best you can and love big.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I'm going to share that with a friend who's going through something right now, and I think that's exactly what she needs to hear. Actually,
1: but we've all been through it. I can just (laughs) yes, yes. I mean, (laughs) because the
0: dynamic the dynamic is crazy, and uh, yeah, that's that's incredible. All right, so um, sometimes when through adoption and foster care, people are added to our family that have experienced trauma. And let's talk about how how we as parents and family members can create a supportive and loving environment for those children who've experienced that. And, you know, I I was just talking about this with my publisher just yesterday.
1: We were at a conference for, um, actually we won an award, we were so excited, but we were there together in the hotel just speaking about just all of this, actually. We were talking about this, because I knew this interview was coming up.
0: Mm-hmm. And she
1: said, "You know the thing that that people don't understand, and she's so right is that even if you adopt a child out of foster care and they're an infant or even from overseas or something, you d- you still don't know what they've been through. Yeah. even as an infant, we we don't we don't think about that. We think, well, I got them when they were brand new. <laughs> I mean, you know, what could have been we' we have no idea what they experienced in the womb. we don't know if they weren't picked up at, at when they were you know, we don't know all the things. There's no way to know all the things, and and we don't need to know all the things.
0: Mm-hmm. But what
1: we have to know is that there was the, there if there's trauma involved, and there are some things happening, we can't just sort of pull a blanket over and be like, oh, it'll be fine. No, it, we need to get some specialists involved. And thank goodness, there's so much, so many resources for us now that mm-hmm. you can get involved in. There, there's play therapy. There's, there's, I mean, they come to your home. The state funds a lot of it, especially. So there's, there's a lot of resources, but don't be. Don't be one of those that kind of puts your head in the sand. And say, well, I think it'll work itself out, because oftentimes it's not going to be your faith that'll be enough to work it out. They just need treatment. They need sometimes they need mm-hmm. medications. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they need just just somebody else to talk to. I mean, I have a good friend I wrote a book for with a while back, and he adopted a child from overseas as a toddler, and you know, great growing up years. And when she hit her teens, wow, <laughs> things things got a little crazy in the house and. And she had some abandonment issues. And I remember speaking with, with him about it. And he said, you know, we 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 loved her the same all through. And I said, well, that could have been the teenage hormones. And he said, "Yeah, could have been, but we weren't going to take any chances. We immediately got someone involved, a therapist involved, to, to be able to let her speak with those things about what she was feeling because they were real feelings that were affecting her everyday life. And then having wow. some issues in the family. So you have to just be sensitive to know that it may be a bumpy ride but it'll be worth it. But don't mm-hmm. try to don't be the champion and try to go this alone. There are people out there who are specializing in this. You can't have all the answers. I think that's my biggest problem is I I think I can figure it out. I'll just right. do research. You know, I can figure this out. But you are not the one that's supposed to figure it all out. That's why we have these specialists. So utilize them. That that's what you have to do is just again, is that going back to
0: asking for help, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think there is this assumption that when we get married, it'll be easy. It'll be organic. If it's meant to be, it'll just work itself out If, as a parent. And, and really admitting we have no idea what we're doing in our marriage and our parenting is one of the best things that we can do. And it's the best place to start because then you can get the help you need, get the knowledge you need. Even even I've found in my parenting journey, apologizing to my kids because I'm going to make mistakes. And yes. like I've said to my oldest, I'm so sorry, but I'm probably going to make most of the mistakes with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're my first. I'm and then so by sure. the second I have, I'm like I'm like, I made this mistake with your sister. I'm not making this with you. <laughs> but just being able to admit that, I think is really important in our parenting journey for sure. Oh, I love that! And you know,
1: I'll give you even some more great news. When you have grandkids, you get a third chance. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Oh, I'm man, like, I know. got
0: this all down I am pat. <laughs> so good at this now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's really awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, so a lot of times, and I think you mentioned that um, sometimes our new family structure might include somebody from a different race, a different religion, and so how do we encourage our kids to embrace that? I mean, I think in general, kids are pretty accepting. Thank goodness and, they are, right? Yeah, they're probably more accepting and it's over the years that they might become a little bit more opinionated, cynical or jaded or whatever we Maybe. become as we, as we <laughs> age, yes, yes, right? But yeah, so how can we encourage kids and how can we talk to kids around the different ways families look? Well, again, I,
1: I'll i refer to my friend who got their little girl from Russia. Well, they gave her you know, a Russian name Mm -hmm. And they, when she was of age old enough, they took her back there to, to experience her culture, to just know more about where she came from. Just, you know, you can read about it. You can look at things online, Mm -hmm. but just to let her experience it. So that was important. That was a big trip in her life. And, Mm -hmm. and then it's up to her if she wants to return or whatever, but, but just to say, I think it's important that we let our kids know we love them unconditionally. So if you it, even if i don't understand and i don't i don't share the same skin color as you it doesn't mean i love you any less or that we may be different on the outside but our hearts are so connected mm-hmm. And so i want to support you and whatever it is that you need or want but i think it is important to to establish some things in the home where you are celebrating things that are important to them so if you adopted an african american child and you aren't african american listen call in some african american friends to help you figure out like how to do the little girl's hair because sometimes it's yeah. different. It is like you have yeah. to know these things and it's important that you figure them out because you want to give, you want you want your child to know how important they are. You're so mm-hmm. important that we are going to celebrate all the things that are important to you. Mm-hmm. I want to know everything I can to really embrace you and love you the way you need to be loved. And that is such an easy thing to say and really difficult to do. Again, mm-hmm. like you have to ask for help from community. You're not going to know it all. And I think that what you said is probably the most important thing we've said today is, be quick to apologize. Look, I'm not going to get right every time, but yeah. I want you to know when I don't, my heart is still big for you. Like I, it's not that I'm trying to get it wrong. I'm just human that I love you so much. And, I, and I'm working to do better on this. I want to love you the way you need to be loved. You know, those love language things that you learn about. I remember reading Gary Chapman's book way back in the day when Jeff and I first yeah. got married, which was over 30 years ago now. And it, I wish I had, I wish I had known more about that. Honestly, like every day, I should probably should just read that book every day. Because when I figured out what my kids' love languages were, I was a better parent. When I realized yeah. that Abby needed time and Allison really, what she needed, she just she wanted those words of affirmation. That was her thing. And and so if I would brag on Abby and be like, "Man, that back tuck you did tonight at the game was amazing," she she was like, "Yeah, thanks." Well, Allie needed that. Abby was just like, "I just want you there at the game. I want yeah. you to be there afterwards. I want you to host the the party with Tostitos and all the things." Like, I had to figure out how better to love each child. I mean, I think I finally got it. I certainly didn't do it all right, but. I just think, man, I wish I should have studied that book more because looking back, I'm doing much better with my grandkids. Like I said, I think you just, you get, you get wiser. So mm-hmm. but give, your, give yourself grace to make mistakes and be quick to apologize and then study, study how they need to be loved. Each child's different, whether they're a different race or a blended family, or, I mean, we've got two daughters that were raised by both Jeff and I, We I birthed both. They're opposites. You would not know they were sisters completely opposite in their personalities. I I can't even imagine that they came from us. They're so different. (laughs) I had to learn how to parent
0: each one. Like they're completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you talk a lot about grace and a lot about love, loving big, loving. Let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. What does Mm -hmm. that look like? Because yeah, I mean, we've already established like we're not going to get it right all the time. And sometimes if you're doing a blended family
1: or well, any actually, any kind of family. blended like, <laughs> families especially can be hard sometimes. There's going to be some unforgiveness you you might not even know about. Like you mm. may be, you may end up being the one that that the child's taking it out on because they're mad at their at their birth mom or like there's and they don't even know why they're mad. So sometimes
0: yeah.
1: moms, because we do show a lot of unconditional love, and not that dads don't, but we're like sometimes we're more on yeah. right. We sometimes get the brunt of all the ugliness, and we're thinking, I don't. Know, I don't really deserve that. I don't understand. (laughs) I'm the best mom ever. Like I'm so good. (laughs) So I found found this in my heart. Whenever I start justifying, well, I did this and this, and I do this for you. And I mean, who was up doing your project last night till 3 a.m.? That would be me. Why are you so much nicer to your dad? Like there's whenever, whenever I start justifying, I already know I'm off. Like I'm off. Mm -hmm. Just know that I'm off and start apologizing. So Mm -hmm. that forgiveness thing. Oh my goodness. I've just been reading a book on this. It, it's some the first thing is to forgive yourself because you're going to make mistakes and you can't be the perfect mom i mean i think that sitcoms back in the day did us some injustices to think that we could all be carol brady or something i mean yeah. we can't be that was a blended family but
0: everything always turned out perfectly didn't it yeah. no, well we never that- saw the other the other People in their life, the ex-spouses. We never saw them. <laughs> we
1: did I mean, there, I'm sure there were some things going on where there was no. There were some fights over holidays, like those things. So you have to be quick to forgive. But I think the most important part of that is you have to be quick to forget. You know, we always there's an old Ooh, express, yeah. expression that says, "I forgive, but I'll never forget." I mean, I used to say that. I think that was like, I don't know why I thought that was okay to say because if you don't forget it, you're really not forgiving. Yeah. It's like every yeah. time that something comes up, that little wound is pricked again, and it's it's a. Yeah gashing thing again. So just make sure that you you not only forgive, but I I mean, I just, faith is big in my life. I'll have to just say, God, help me to not hang, hang on to those feelings of unforgiveness because I'm still mad. Like I'm admitting to you, yeah. I'm still really mad about this and my heart is hurting. So you're gonna have to help me to forget this because I don't wanna feel this way towards my child or towards the other, the step-parent. I don't wanna feel this way towards anyone, mm-hmm. anybody involved in our family. Yeah. And then I think when you do that, you can include everybody in celebrations. And when you see the other, the in-laws or the outlaws or anybody else who's involved, you don't feel that, that weirdness, like that you want to run over with your shopping cart in the grocery store. Like you don't have that, that ugliness in your heart. You, you can see them and actually be like, I know we don't get, we don't see eye to eye on everything, but that's okay. We can be different and still be friends. And that's, yeah. that is, I'm still learning to walk through that. I think if we're all being honest, forgiveness is a lesson we have to learn every day. Again, the love chapter, my dad had that figured out, read that every day. That'll help.
0: Yeah. I think I need to go back to that love chapter yeah. actually. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do pray too. I'm like, I just want to forget this. Like I will go through the process, but like I don't want to I just, you know, I don't want to remember this. <laughs> oh, I don't I want to remember the good things. And this is the other thing
1: about getting a little bit older, is you often forget the ugly stuff. Yeah.
0: But really oh, good. for sure.
1: I mean right? we somebody that's we there was a family that my sister and I knew really well growing up, and something terrible happened in their family. It was terrible. But the mom never got over it. She was so angry. And I, I often thought, I wonder if she even knows. Like if she even remembers why she's still so mad about what. Like, does she remember? Because she kind of experienced some dementia and things and I mm. but even in all that, she was still she was you still it angry on to it. I, yeah. Yeah. That that bitterness takes big roots if you let the anger stay, then forgiveness kind of gets a grip mm. on you. And I, I just thought she spent 30 plus years of her life being angry.
0: I mean, mm. I don't
1: nothing is that. Nothing's that important because the cost of being right isn't worth it. It just isn't. Cost of being right is a, it's a very lonely place to be sometimes. Sometimes you have to let somebody else be right just for the sake of peace. And that's all a part of forgiveness.
0: Yeah, Yeah. for sure. All right. So with all of your experience, I want to know what are some practical ways that parents can prioritize quality time and have intentional conversations with their children and even their grandchildren? I um, love that question. With busy schedules. I mean, because we are, I mean,
1: I remember... Back in the day, I just felt like a taxi driver. Like all I did was drop. I was Uber. I was Uber mom. I was dropping people off all the time, picking them up, trying to figure out where I needed to be. We were in bleachers somewhere. My hind end was in bleachers, all over the state of Indiana, all growing up because they were playing sports and doing things. And so it was hard to just get time alone. And this starts now when they're even younger because mm-hmm. you got all-star leagues and all the different things. And so just finding that time. So you really do have to be sort of a master at calendars. So I think it's really good to have like a master calendar, not, it's great to have it on your phone and make sure everybody has it on their phones, but to put it on the mm-hmm. fridge because everybody goes to the fridge multiple times a day, have it on the fridge where you can say, all right, this and, and highlight it, like real exciting. Like this is the family day, like pick a day a month. Like that sounds like not very much, but when you got teenagers, that's a big deal. So yeah. pick a day a month to be like, this is going to be our family movie night. Oh, they're gonna roll their eyes and be like, that's so lame. Like I'm not doing that. I've got this. But you know, there might be one one night a month or there's not a game or something that you guys can just sit in your jammies and pick a theme. Like we used to do fun things, like we're gonna we're gonna celebrate Christmas in July. We're gonna watch all like home alone, all the crazy Christmas movies, and I'm gonna make like really great Christmas treats, or I might just go buy them if I don't have time. Like mm-hmm. I'll get somebody's fudge that's better than mine. The Amish make the best fudge. And I would do those kinds of things. And so we would just have this fun thing. And when they're when they're younger, they really love that. Like you let, we would let them pick a time. Okay. We're going to pick the time. We're going to do it like from four to six, from four to six. What do you want to do? Well, my girls would always say, well, let's have have breakfast for dinner. I'm like, oh, pancakes for dinner. I'm in like, something that simple can be a memory making thing, but you do have to be kind of strategic with your planning. And I one thing that we've done even as the kids have gotten older and now we have grandkids is we will do one trip a year. It doesn't have to be an expensive trip. I mean, I'm not talking Disney where you have to take out like a a loan. (laughs) I mean, that's great if you can do that, but it can just be a camping trip or, you Mm -hmm. know, something where you're just all gonna be together. It can even be a staycation where you just say, everybody come to our house for, you know, a long weekend and we're gonna plan some things. Like there's there's some caves you've never explored, like whatever it is your family's into might be going to a, a Cubs game together. We did that a couple of years ago. I, mean, I want to start them young, knowing who the Cubs are, the Cubbies, are, and like, yeah, you know, right, with <laughs> all the big W T shirts and the whole thing. Like, we loved it. So it's really important that you you just you just plan and be excited about it. We have a and other things you can do if they're older. You can have group texts together and just like I don't know. We have all these funny family inside jokes. You probably do too, and just having that connection where I'll be like. L O L O L where I'll see something that's like a family inside joke. And then everybody comments and it goes on. It, my husband's usually annoyed by this, by the way. <laughs> so put your husband in it. <laughs> he tends to like not like this, but the kids and I have the best time with it. It's connection even across the miles. The one, It's mm-hmm. hard when the kids go to college and then they get their own families. Yeah. But even when they're at home, just did that strategic planning, being mm-hmm. intentional about it, and then getting everybody excited about it. And that the little ones really like to I've seen. No, we didn't do this. Although I wanted to do it, never did. Maybe you guys can do it. There was you take a jar and you you write down all the things that kids want to do, and you put it in the jar, and then somebody pulls it out, like you know, a little name out, and it'll be like, oh, mm-hmm. so on this piece of paper it says um, go for a bike ride. So then everybody gets to go for a bike ride. But these are all things that the kids have put in there, so they like that. I think that's a great idea. We never did it. I wish we would have. Maybe y'all can do that. But that makes sometimes people be like I don't, I just don't know. We want to be together. We don't know what to do. Well, then you have to, there's no guesswork. Like there's like a whole yep. jar. Of- a hundred things yes. better I so yes that was now, something I wanted to do we never did although it's not too late like see it's not right yeah, yeah. I may do that with the grandkids see I, like I said another opportunity it's just yeah. fun like and the kids think that's like oh my gosh what are we gonna get like they get so excited yeah just, just I think even if you don't do all these things you don't make the jar just let them know you want to spend time with them and
0: then kind of coerce them to do so. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Bribery exactly. whatever works, right?
0: Yes. Because like once it? they get in it, yeah, they really enjoy That's themselves. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. So true. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap up, but I wanted to know if you could share with us a personal experience or a story that really illustrates the transformative power of God's love in a family context.
1: Man, I thought about that. There are I've got so many, but I will say, you know, we talked about life isn't always easy, right? And in our family, my youngest daughter, Allison, when she was a junior in high school, both my girls were in cheer. We, they grew up, we were in Texas for a little bit and then we moved back to Indiana, which is our home state. And she was a flyer. So she was one on top, which is really mm-hmm. scary. <laughs> yeah. I did a lot of prayer on that, but, and she was quite a, a great power tumbler. And so she was really involved in that. It was a big part of her life and we supported it, whatever sports, what the kids wanted to do. But she got into anorexia because of, the pressure to stay so thin, to be on top. I didn't, I didn't see the signs. I thought I would, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd even written stories about it. When I was a newspaper journalist, I remember covering that that was really big in sororities and things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and she got down to like really, really like 89 pounds. And she's, she, I mean, it was, it was, she was going to, she was going to die. We took her to a specialist and he said, you know, her heart could stop at any moment. It, it was one of those things where I thought, okay, I've tried to be a good mom. And you start, I, I felt so guilty. I was in the, I was in the the room with the doctor who was a therapist. He specialized in eating stores, even in cheerleaders, and we were as a miracle we got in there. And as he was telling her and talking to her and telling her what she was doing to her body and stuff, I I couldn't stop. I was weeping, and and then he kept me in there by myself. And he said, "I need you to look at me," because I, I, I couldn't even see him through the tears. He goes, "This isn't your fault," and I was like, "I think it is. I'm, I probably put too much pressure on her." Like I. He's like, this is not your fault. I need you to say mm-hmm. those words. And that was the most freeing thing for him to say that to me. So no, I want you to know that no matter what you're going through with your family, um, that is not your fault. It really, many times it's just, it, life just happens. So what happened with the transformative God's love in our life, walking through that season, We it, was a, it wasn't just a quick fix. It was a several months. It was about nine months of where I didn't know if she was going to live or die. It was mm-hmm. really, really scary. Lots of prayer, lots of gathering around, lots of division in the family because Abby didn't get a lot of attention at that time because we were just trying to save her sister's life and and Abby was her first year in college and she was like is anybody gonna come see me like it was just hard to keep all the balls in the air and I remember we were in the Best Buy parking lot I'll never forget this day and we had to pick up a lot electronics that were being fixed a laptop I think and Allie had gone with me because I couldn't trust her to be by herself and we were just sitting there and and she looked at me and she said mom I don't want to be like this. I, I, you know that, right? Like, I'm not trying to hurt you and dad or, or Abby or the family. Like, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to live like this. And I said, you know what? I know that. I know that you're struggling. And here's the thing. I grabbed her hands. I said, you don't have to. We're going to pray. And we're going to just ask God just to to make this journey easier. We're going to ask him. Sometimes there's instant healings. We're just going to ask him for big, for big things. Mm-hmm. And we prayed. and I mean, I don't always feel like the power of God every time I pray. It's just a quick prayer, but I know he hears me. And I didn't, there wasn't like, you know, an angel flew by or something, <laughs> nothing happened. But th- something happened in the car that day. We joined mm-hmm. hands, we prayed together. And it says, we're two or more gathering my name. He was right there in the midst. And I'm telling you, from that day forward, everything started getting better. I don't know if that's everybody's journey. We went through months of hell. But from that moment on... Everything started to get better, and today Allie's a mom of two girls, healthy, whole. Goes to churches and speaks about her her journey that she had with anorexia, because she can speak into the life giving blood of Jesus and how He healed her, and how she still walks in that. They say you're never you're. They just call it being in remission. We call mm-hmm. it being delivered gloriously by God. Is what we call it. Yeah, so it's a testimony. You can't have a great testimony like that without a great test. And she had one. Yeah. But that was probably the hardest thing our family walked through because we didn't know if she was going to live or die. And that can either break a family or make a family closer. I'm so thankful it made us closer. But there were days when I thought, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Like, I don't, Mm. I think our family is not going to survive this. But it did. And we're stronger because of it. So that's, you have to know that there's an end to this. And that if you choose love every day and you choose to walk in faith, it doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road, but it means that at the end of the road, it'll be worth it. And God will be right there with open arms. And your family Mm -hmm. can be stronger in those things. If it's always just rosy and wonderful, there's no chance to really grow closer. It just, so sometimes those, those hardest things can end up being the thing that really binds you all together. So I wouldn't have wished this on our family, but the outcome was quite marvelous. And so I'm mm-hmm. I'm grateful that God allowed us to grow through it and not just, you know, he went through it with us and we yeah. did not more destroyed. So I'm, I'm, I, I just have such a burden for families that have traumatic things that happen, whether it's the death of, of a child, I mean, the death of a child can, so hard because we almost had that happen in our family with Allie. So yeah. i such a heart for moms who do, who go through those things. So hang in there and just know that God can, he can make the worst thing, amazing thing. It says in the Bible, he can take what the devil meant for harm and turn it for his glory. And that's exactly what he did in our lives. So yeah. I pray that happens for y'all.
0: Everybody's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, I'm so glad she didn't have to go through that alone. And she had you guys.
1: Me too. Me too. Because family is so important, which is why I wrote the book. I mean, and love really does connect us all. That's the title. Love really connects us all. Even if I don't understand you, the love's going to keep us connected.
0: Yeah, so good. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I really enjoyed this conversation.
1: Thank you. And I I just be praying for all of the listeners that no matter what they're going through, God will go through it with them. And just celebrate family today. It's such something to celebrate.
0: Yes. Amen. All right. Thank Thank you. You can find Michelle at michellemedlockadams.com. She's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest as InWriterGirl. I'll link to all of that, plus where you can find her book in the show notes. Are you looking for a meaningful and inspiring gift that nurtures the soul? Well, look no further. The Read It, Pray It cards are available in my Etsy shop. With the Read a Prayer cards, your special someone can dive into the power of scripture and prayer. Each 3x5 card features a memory verse on the front, reminding you of the wisdom and the guidance that's found in the Bible. Then when you flip the card over, you'll discover a prayer that's created from the verse on the front. It's an excellent gift for kids or moms on the go. You can certainly use them during your devotional time, but they are also great to throw in your backpack or your purse so that you can take God's word with you wherever you go. You can find the Read It Pray It cards, like I said, in my Etsy shop. You can choose from professionally printed and trimmed cards or a digital download. Just search for Read It Pray It cards in the Etsy shop or go to www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash living in the sweet spot.